Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome once again to the Netflix Podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Canadian Netflix. I'm Dylan Clark Moore, and I'm joined here today by anthropologist, programmer, and movie reviewer for Fanshawe Colleges and Terabang. Welcome, Pam Marie Guzzo. Hello. So tell us, Pam, is there anything interesting you've been watching on Netflix recently? Uh, I started watching Suits until it got me really depressed. Oh. Because they're all kind of mean, terrible people. Oh. So... Except for Gina Torres' character, because she's a baller. But Right. Yeah. Isn't the whole appeal of that show that it's like fun, quick-witted, smart people being it at the is, top of their game? But then they're like unnecessarily mean to one of the characters who's kind of pitiable, and oh. the other ones don't really have any flaws that humanize them. So like the two main characters, one of them is like super genius, and all the girls are after him, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, I don't care about you. It's a cross I know all too well. Yeah. <laughs> well, the movie that we're here to talk about this week is from the year 2015, directed by Gil Keenan. We're going to be talking about Poltergeist. Before we get into that, I should let you know that today's episode of the Netflix podcast is brought to you in part by UnLondon's 121 Studios, London's premier digital media hub and co-working space. Visit 121studios.ca for more information. So the ways that Netflix describes Poltergeist are as follows. I'll do the click one first, because it's not quite as awful. In this horror remake, a suburban family discovers their new home is haunted by malevolent spirits who kidnap their youngest daughter. That's it. That's, yeah, that's pretty uh, accurate. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Hey. Movie described. Good job. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> now, when you simply hover over the title, uh, it gets a little worse. It says, they're seeking a dream home for their family, and this one seems perfect. If by dream you mean nightmare... Except they're not seeking a dream home at all. That's the opposite of what happened. They got evicted from their dream home for not having any money. Not to mention the utter cheese of... Oh, yeah. No. If by dream you mean a nightmare. (laughs) Awful. Yeah. The genres this movie belongs to, according to Netflix, are thrillers, supernatural thrillers, horror movies, supernatural horror movies, and the moods it assigns are chilling, suspenseful, and scary. So, Pam, how would you start us off? Why Poltergeist? How did we end up landing on this one? Uh, well, I think we wanted to review a terrible, terrible movie. That was like yes, that goal. Was, that, was the, <laughs> that was the criteria. Um, but somehow this one jumped out in front of the others. Yeah, well, it's because I was a big fan. Like, I first saw the original Poltergeist when I was six. So I was like a huge, yeah, which is a problem all into itself. But yeah, it's a formative experience. Very, in your very life. mean cousins who thought it was funny because I was the same age as the girl in the movie. But yeah, I don't know. So I just, I really like the original and I wanted to see how badly they ruined it. And so had you seen it before or was this? The original this or was, the remake? This one, was, was this you ripping off the no, band-aid? No, I saw it for the first time today. <laughs> Yay. Because I was like, I want it to be fresh in my mind. I mean, does it even merit comparing the two of them or because I've, I've i've actually never seen the original i only know about it by reputation for being like the movie that killed everybody who worked on it so, um, so as a big fan of the original did this seem respectful did it seem blasphemous did it seem unnecessary oh very blasphemous and unnecessary okay <laughs> No, there were a lot of like key points in the original that they either just didn't do at all or ignored. And a lot of the characters they made less likable for no actual reason. And they also focused more on the male characters, which was kind of unfortunate because the original was way more about like a mo- mother and her daughter. And this one was more about 
scared boy child and sad alcoholic dad. I'm sorry. And then one of my favorite characters was totally like recast as some old, some British dude, Moriarty from Sherlock. Yeah, Jared Jared Harris. Yeah, yeah, I'm terrible with actors' names, so I'm going to refer to them all as random people. (laughs) No, that's totally fine. We spent all of uh, the Punch Drunk Love episode talking about woman whose name I can't pronounce as Gail the Snail, even though she was entirely <laughs> awesome. someone different. So we can refer to Zaphod Beelebrox as Zaphod Beelebrox? <laughs> if, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what were we talking about? I think we were talking about Poltergeist. <laughs> okay, so I I mean, I came into this movie with no expectations, having not seen the original. Like, I know that it's revered, but I found myself often frustrated, especially in the way that it, it didn't work very hard to build its world, and it was really willing to break it and to yeah. to be unbelievable and Which... i th- i think that it was done in a way to be like hey we're just kind of having fun you don't have to take this as seriously as that one that you hold so dear except it had less comedy so like the original one has a lot of little jokes sort of slipped in whereas this one was trying to be serious all the time like there weren't those lighthearted moments so it was really yeah, i thought it did have some lighthearted moments and those were the ones that i quite liked like when uh sam rockwell i'm eric is that is that his name in the movie i don't know angry dad angry dad (laughs) (laughs) like when he's eating the pizza with the nuggets on it like that was kind of cute and then when the uh he's not even an exorcist what is he what is he like a i don't know because he's he's like a ghost hunter fake tv show guy yeah because his character is completely different in the original oh but they had to shoehorn an awkward divorced love story for no reason so. Okay, but that's the part that I <laughs> kind of liked. I liked when they were bantering at each other. And it did feel like they just kind of put it in because they felt like they had to add some levity. Yeah, I feel but, like because of like how the original one, it felt so forced, whereas the original comedy felt so natural that it okay. was such a disjoint. That's fair. And th- there were little moments that just it kept taking me out of the movie. Like the fact that when the, when the son first suspects that there's something weird going on in his sister's room, he's like... Well, the normal thing to do if things feel strange is to place a baseball on a carpet. And I was like, you're just setting up this stunt thing that you're doing. Or when they were all sitting around at the dinner party laughing about, oh, haha, it's not like it was built on an ancient Indian burial ground and patting each other on the back for being all meta and clever. Yeah, I don't know. The reveal for that was way sloppier than it was in the original. So I was just sort of completely disappointed. It's really hard because you haven't seen the original, so I'm like making all these like all of my judgment on it is based on like Yeah, but you can assume that everybody who's listening has seen the original because I I'm, guess. I'm the oddity in this. Yeah, I don't know. Because like in the original, the dad character is working for the real estate agency that set up the development. And so the reveal is way more like they're going and talking about moving another graveyard. Okay. And the whatever CEO guy is like, well, why not? We've done it before. And then that's the revealing moment, and it just sort of clicks in his mind. But they don't know until, like, and that's way later. Oh, so he's kind of implicit, or at least his company is yeah, responsible so for all Yeah, so his company that he works for is responsible. And the only reason that they were haunted at all was because they decided to dig a pool in the backyard. And that explains why it was just the one house. Whereas in this one, there's no reason why it would just be that one house. Like, they don't give it any context. Mm-hmm. Whereas in that one, it's like, oh, they were digging a pool and disturbed the bodies, and that's why it's happening. Right, instead of just we're instead playing of, in the garden, the kid dug a hole, found a bone. But that's not even implied that that's awakening. Well, and you can't even really anything. see that that's a bone. Like, it's covered in dirt. You well, can't they really... say it's a bone. Do they? Because yeah. they were doing, like, weird horse noises, and I was like, what? 
<laughs> so I was like, is it a horse bone? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> they do the thing where they say like, they were like, oh, really? It's so strange that nobody told you that that house. Yeah. Like, but no, like, the whole thing is problems. that like it was a big company cover up and like they didn't tell anyone. And he only found out because he was talking to the CEO about moving a different graveyard. You're making me even matter about this yeah, now no, because it seems so much more shallow. To, it's so to much hear more shallow about all the depth that just it. kind of got. Yeah. So in one, away. it's like you don't know why it's happening until like halfway through the movie, and you're like, and then there's this big reveal, and it's like, oh my god. But in this one, it's just like because the house has ghosts in it. That's yeah, why. Duh. duh. It also really bothered me that nobody in this movie talked to each other in ways that humans were would helpful. Talk to each other. Like the fact that the mom is like, oh my God, my son's been going on for hours about some kind of crazy haunting that's been going on. But she's apparently she's been talking over him for these hours and hours and hours because nobody. And when the son sees, when he looks up and he sees the like burning, bubbling thing happening on the ceiling and he doesn't tell anybody about it, like he's just standing there kind of curiously watching this thing. Or yeah. or it, the my favorite was when the one grad student guy was like boy, on the yeah. stairs talking to the kid about how, oh, you know, fake poltergeist to get money. And it's like you had a chair literally thrown at your head by nothing two minutes ago. And you're asking this kid if it's a fraud. Like how yeah, one, stupid that's are you? <laughs> super rude to that kid. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, hey, your sister has been. <laughs> Yeah. Has been kidnapped, but I'm going to accuse your father of uh, faking this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And why would you have the conversation with the eight year old and not the mom? Not to mention the fact that Boyd has this huge supernatural experience happen and then he tells absolutely nobody about it. Yeah. And he he doesn't finish doing his job. He just goes downstairs and they're like, hey, did you finish installing that heat sensor? And he's like, uh, kind of. And that's it. Yeah. Like that he's was not, it. he's not validating. There's no arc to, to what he does. He's got one of the more not that that character was super likable in the first because like in the original he steals their food and then his face rips is off in the mirror and it's so disgusting it's like one of the grossest things ever but it's like that's one of the first really bad things to happen before that it's like all just moving stuff around and it's very much about building up the Mm -hmm. the entity like it's slowly getting stronger throughout the movie whereas in this one it just starts out strong and keeps going that character did though have that kind of freaky experience like it was I was really worried that I was going to see him take a drill to the face. Um, like, he does have a freaky experience. Like, you know how the dad in this one has, like, that sink grossness going yeah. on? That was sort of a play to the original because it's, like, he washes his face and, like, starts poking at him and then, like, ripping his face slowly off. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, terrible, like, graphics because it's, like, the 80s. But it's still, like, probably one of the scenes that most stuck out to me especially because I was so young when I first saw it. It was, like, the worst, but, <laughs> yeah, I so don't know. So it, it didn't quite live up to, or the, the new one didn't live up with the drill. This but. one was so much tamer in some ways than the original, which is weird, because you would think with the way horror movies have gone with all the gore that they would not do that. Like, right. they had a couple scary moments, but not anything close. Okay, so let's talk about some of the characters a bit here. Yeah. Um, so starting off with... Talk about how much I hate the dad. <laughs> well, that, that's where I was going to start. So so Eric Bowen, as portrayed by Sam Rockwell. So uh, the the angry, frustrated dad whose response to being poor and not having any money is to buy a house that still exceeds their means and then to buy really expensive gifts for his family so he doesn't feel like he's bad at providing. Which I didn't 
really understand why they moved to that house because like I guess they got a good deal on it but they didn't know that when they were gonna go look at it and they were already pretty decided that they were moving because they brought the kids like there wasn't really a timeline set up it seemed like they were just looking and then ta-da yeah they never seemed like they had an attachment to this house it wasn't that that was their last chance it wasn't this like rundown motel that was the last thing or this rundown place was that was the last place they could possibly afford I mean, I get that it might have been a last chance to maintain the lifestyle that he had previously been able to provide for them and him maybe latching yeah. on to that, but you have to look for that. That's not laid out for you. I just didn't get it. I didn't even see the point in having him unemployed because that was an addition in this movie. Yeah, it seemed like it was so going to pay off. Like either they were going to really have somebody go after him as like, you're you're doing this for money. You're doing this out of yeah, desperation. But... but it doesn't. It no. just... And, like, his random spending doesn't have any consequences because they're looking at a house with a new van, like, two minutes later, like, after the movie's done. And well, then... that's because he finally takes the coaching job at the high school, right? Is that what happened? I think that's what happened because he, I think he's wearing, uh, like, some kind of, like, a like a Letterman oh. jacket, and then they've got the bumper stickers on the car now. So I think the idea is that he's realized that a prestigious job isn't as important as providing what you can for your family. I guess that was the point. They were trying to, I don't know. It was like really awkward because, again, a disappointing ending scene when you compare it to the original. Because in the original, they go and stay at a hotel and the last scene is them pushing the TV out of the door (laughs) and it like hits the railing. Yeah, and that's the end, which is really, and it's really like a cool moment and it ends with a bit of like comedic, but Mm -hmm. this one is just like, oh, we're going to look at another new house. Well, for this, they... I feel like they kind of did that with this, but it was so it was so soft and so cute that they were like, "Oh, this house kind of reminds us of the last one." Ha ha! Let's drive off in our minivan together yeah. and put on a raffi tape or something. I don't know. I found myself often distracted by how he was characterized as well. Like, I get that he was supposed to be the the cool center of the family, and that's the the role that the mom puts on him. Says like, "No, I need you to be the one who's always going to say everything's going to be okay." Yeah. But he always, he seemed like he didn't care. Yeah, and I'm like, I know Sam Rockwell's a good enough actor because I've seen him in Moon, and like, and so I know he's a good enough actor to pull off that like distant but still emotional. But we didn't get that. It was just like I'm pretending I don't care about these kids because he seemed really distant from all of the kids, and it was really odd. When we do see a crack, I think that's one of the highlights of Sam Rockwell's performance is when he finally says to I think it's Kerrigan, the like you don't know what the ghost hunter guy. Yeah, when he's yeah. like, just, just I want my daughter back. I, like, I want my family back together. But even that was, like, so subdued compared to what it should have been for someone whose child is missing. Yeah. Like, it was really... Yeah, it, I think it would have been, it would have seemed crazier because he'd been playing it at a fairly low baseline for the whole thing to all of a sudden ramp it up to 100. But it was really weird because he seemed to, like, be like, oh, my kid's gone missing. Oh, well. Until that moment. Well, yeah, and even, like, <laughs> imme- like in- immediately after the TV <laughs> thing happens where he's witnessed this whole crazy paranormal thing, he's just, like, consoling his wife, like, oh, come on. Like, this, like basically saying this, this kind of thing happens all the time. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It doesn't carry that weight that my daughter is missing and I don't know if we'll ever see her yeah. again. Because- Which might be because they ha- they wrote so many more lines for that character than they really was they made him and the son more of a focus Mm -hmm. so i think they ended up adding more to those characters than there really was to begin with so it was like more words that's the answer you don't need to fill them with anything yeah just just more words yeah (laughs) and even then like the original dad was way more emotional 
like way more heartbroken about the daughter being gone and like you could tell he cared and that's all i ask (laughs) (laughs) that is my bare minimum here yeah well and that's that's what to all actors ever if you have children in your script pretend you care about them (laughs) that's what was so frustrating about this for me because usually dad stuff is a big emotional trigger for me yeah where like you can make it as sentimental and schmaltzy as you want and i'll still get sucked into it but this didn't do that and it had all of the ingredients to pull it off you had this dad trying to support his family and trying to provide and i'm like yeah i get that and you have these three children and these kids in vulnerable conditions and it never resonated but he wasn't even like a sympathetic fuck up he was like just a deadbeat dad who just happened to still be there well he was a fuck up who happened to have kids yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he was so indifferent to the plot like anything he put them through Mm. okay so how did you feel about amy bowen the wife as played by rosemary duett um don draper's mistress from season one that's our it was friend. driving me crazy okay the whole time I, was I was wondering because it. it's like well i know him but i don't know she was so shallow and like she also didn't connect with the kids the way that i would have preferred again comparing to the original and the original she's like supportive mom and she gets along with her teenage daughter and it's not this constant bicker i don't care about thing like i guess she was supposed to be portrayed as like stressed out mom whose dreams were crushed but like i don't know i just found all the characters really unsympathetic for like different reasons except for the youngest girl but like i don't know she didn't really do anything and she didn't like a lot of the pivotal scenes that were in the original were just cut so it's like there was no nothing she didn't even go in and get her daughter which is like a huge moment in the original movie is when the mom goes through the portal to get her daughter they didn't do that they had the whiny kid go and it's like i don't care about this kid he's like he's a movie trope come to life and i just don't care anymore about kids in horror movies with problems because it's just like a thing in every horror movie now so it's like i'm so done i found maybe it's just because of it was her next to eric i felt like she was a bit more sympathetic a bit more yeah she at least had feelings about her kids even if they were frustration yeah. I, I don't know like but I, then she also ignored her six-year-old like 90 percent of the time and like didn't really listen to what her son ever talked to her about and it's probably pretty telling that I, I i'm allowing 30 seconds or even like 10 seconds of scene to impress me a bit i guess that kind of shows yeah, how low depressing. the bar is <laughs> but when she finally gets in touch with maddie when she's like calling out to her just that that explosion of emotion and yeah. relief. I felt like that that's that split second scene. That scene is actually almost identical to the one in the original, but so much <laughs> not there. Like ah, yeah. I'm sorry, everyone listening to this. I'm just selling the original like it's like this god movie, but like I really liked it, even though it's so 80s, like so 80s. Is it that great? Like, have you watched it recently? Does it hold up? Or is, yeah, I've rewatched it fairly recently. Like, it's on my one of my like if I'm in the mood for a horror movie, Poltergeist is my go-to. I still really, really enjoy it, and there's a lot of characters in it that I really enjoy. So I know that you didn't appreciate what they did with <laughs> Kerrigan the the host exorcist guy he's supposed to be a squat little adorable old lady that's the character that's in my mind for that role 
So, so instead you have scarred Irish guy. Yeah. Like they obviously couldn't get the same person, but even because like they went so different that I don't know if it was like a good call or not because he wasn't a bad character. Like he did fine. Yeah, I guess it comes down to if you're going to do something differently, then do something yeah. with it different. Because they still had him with a lot of the same or very similar lines or they had like his ex-wife whatever the leads like i don't even know what they are the paranormal Paranormal investigators from the the local university paranormal academics i guess sure yeah i mean that guy was just kind of he was there he was filling that role he was you know the that exorcist character that shows up and knows how to deal with the haunting yeah and they played on the whole like reality show ghost buster theme thing yeah they but they didn't play with it house hunters or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) wait no that's a different thing ghost cleaning (laughs) yeah (laughs) ghost hunters there we go (laughs) (laughs) not the real estate show uh anyway i mean they did it but like i said they didn't do anything with it they didn't really criticize it they didn't do anything like no if anything they were like yeah you should totally believe these tv shows that are super contrived and fake because sometimes they he made have... one comment about not wanting to fake it anymore that was it so did you find this scary or creepy at all not really <laughs> <laughs> there was like what two jump scares one of them was like painfully predictable at the clown when the clown literally <laughs> jumped Oh, I wasn't even counting that because that scene was so slowly played that it was, again, yeah, okay, so there were a couple that were super obvious. I meant when she was in the closet, or the fake girl in the closet. Right. Yeah, because that one, it was like, really? You're going to play this for, you're going to waste my time with 30 seconds for this? (laughs) There were a couple of, a couple of moments that did seem kind of genuinely creepy. Like, uh, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh my god, clowns are the worst, but the, the clown dolls were sometimes kind of creepy or have you seen the original clown though no if you look up a picture of the original clown that they had it's like exponentially creepier clown than what they ended up with oh sweet jesus (laughs) right what (laughs) so like the clowns that they had were like comparatively lame so lame oh i did like with the clowns uh with the clown dolls which it, it bugged me that the kid just like still had them in his room because like, yeah. anyway so when the kid griffin uh you know when he gets scared in his bedroom and he turns on the flashlight and immediately it's on the creepy clown yeah i felt like that was that put you in his headspace that like yeah the second he starts looking for comfort in this dark scary room that he's been abandoned to <laughs> by his family that which, immediately again. there's this like creepy thing flying at him so yeah. that was there were some good shots, but I couldn't help the whole way through comparing it to the original and just being disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like, why couldn't they use the same doll? That clown defined, like, I think that was not even on original posters, a couple of them. So, like, you have this already terrifying clown doll that has, like, a huge role. Well, not a huge role, but, like, a significant role in the first one. And in the original, he was sharing a room with Carolyn, like, the daughter. I also never got, like, why wouldn't you put the teenager in the attic? And also, why would the kid not just move the bed and not be under that skylight since it was causing him so much anxiety to be under that thing yeah. as it was being He had so much room in that like in that bedroom. I mean, he would have had to move beside the random sink that was in his room for no reason. Who puts a sink in an attic? Why would you run the plumbing up for a sink? 
I don't know. That's just me being confused. But <laughs> um, the other thing that did unsettle me a bit that I thought the, the movie did effectively, and I'm sure that there's now going to be a way that the other movie did it better. But when you're through the portal in mm-hmm. the seeing it through the eyes of the drone or through the camera of the drone, and then as it's gliding, flighting, 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 flying. <laughs> Whatever drones do. Hovering? Yes, hovering. Ah. As it's hovering through the house, you see it kind of phase in and out from the portal world to this one. And then you have these, like, swarms of Dementors. (laughs) (laughs) And then it it switches into the real world. And it it, it just gives you this really creepy feeling that there's all of this stuff going on around you. Yeah. That you're completely unaware of just because of not being in tune with it. But... It makes you feel vulnerable in your own space because it lets you. It suggests that just because you can't see something doesn't mean there's something there. I'm really conflicted on that because it's so. That's one of the parts that was really significantly different. Because um, in the first one, the little girl isn't like their guiding guidepost or whatever. She's just. She has an innocent light. So they're attracted to her instead of going to the light. So it's, she's more of a distraction than okay. a guide. Um, and there's like one evil entity that you don't are never seeing that's decided to use her to like pull everyone away from the light that they're supposed to be going to. So like you never see the other side of that veil. So like they did a, I thought they did a really good job of it, but like what I imagined for that entity that they had in the first one or the original is so much more terrifying because you don't know. So, like, to me, like, I find that horror movies kind of spoil themselves for that because they'll show you things Mm -hmm. that I feel like humans are really good at imagining the worst possible thing. Like, if you show me a torture scene versus you just having some guy screaming off camera, I'm going to imagine something way worse than you can ever show me. But that might just be me. I feel like most movies are going to, like, the tendency of not trusting the audience imagination. Yeah. So... Yeah. I don't know. So it's I'm really conflicted because they did a really good job with like the animation and the graphics on that. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. Yeah, it made me feel unsafe, which which was is, the goal is probably the most feeling I had yeah. at any point while watching it. So yeah, so I'm gonna choose to celebrate it. That's <laughs> even fair. If, uh... Like for me, it was always like the idea that something that evil and demonic that you don't even know what it looks like could be around you at any point. So like that, I understand like that. Yeah, it it's did just seem, different. It did seem tacked on as well to kind of imply that Maddie in this was you know, this this beacon of psychic energy that was going to yeah, which basically be a, a ghost shepherd. No, to no, no. the whole thing get... was that like the one evil entity like pulls her in to distract the other ones. So like that was totally tacked on, and I didn't like that reasoning as much. Yeah, because it didn't like it let the ghosts off the hook for everything that they were doing it made it seem like hey they're just doing their thing and it also kind of blamed maddie for everything happening whereas in the original it's you know the parents well not really the parents fault but it's like this evil corporation's fault because you know they didn't tell them and then they were doing the pool thing so yeah same with like the random uh the basement crack that got she got pulled into yeah yeah, in the original, she was just trying to save her sister and got pulled into the gross pool of corpses. There wasn't that weird basement crack thing. And in the beginning, they pl- they play with the ghosts. So, like, they'll have... They put um, 
Carolyn in a helmet and like slide her have the ghost slide her across the floor of the kitchen like her mom does that like they just like they have like little circles of where the ghost will move people to and like stuff like that yeah because this one seems like they want you they want you to believe that these ghosts are super malicious and violent but they never kill anybody yeah and also we're supposed to be sympathetic to the fact that they're just trying to yeah. move on to the afterlife whereas in the original they were kind of playful and lighthearted at the beginning mm-hmm. and then like as the one malevolent spirit got stronger it got darker so it's this movie does not make sense the more you look at it no <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of things that they changed that i don't really understand why they would change them now when it came to the ending when you said that you know the the ending of the movie really bothered you was that with regards to that final that There's final sequence or so was it like parts. the whole <laughs> kind of the way that everything got wrapped up with you know jared harris kind of swooping in and doing this whole heroic thing even though we really don't give a crap about him and yeah yeah that was pointless the whole divorced couple gets back together for no reason was pointless the oh he's not on the gps or we can't see him on the gps thing and it's like GPS isn't that accurate that you'd be able to see where someone is in a house. Like, <laughs> what world of GPS do you live in? Because I'm lucky if mine can find the right street. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Not only is it latitude and longitude, but it can tell like your elevation in the yeah, house as well. Yeah, in a in a house, which is like we're talking like 10, 20 feet. Like, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It's impressive. Technology. And how did he get back? Like, I don't care about him but that makes no sense because the rope was gone and he was talking about how easy it is to get lost in that mm-hmm. plane that he had never I been sh- in before he was just he's just so good at ghost yeah and he is the most ghost, the most. <laughs> one little thing that i loved about him is that he he's this very serious ghost hunting guy and he's got that like doctor's bag yeah and that only has rope it, it only in. has rope in it <laughs> Yeah, when I saw that, I laughed so hard. I was like, he only brought rope to the exodus. Like, not even a crucifix and a Bible or anything like that. No, no, no. All you need is rope, which made me think, like, me and my buddy were watching it, and we were like, oh, my God, it's like Boonock Saints. (laughs) Something I did like about the ending was when the house exploded. Yeah. It was just a a choice with (laughs) it. got this look (laughs) on your face, like, fuck this movie so hard. I liked that the that that kind of happened in the background yeah and that the camera was following the family because it was at that point it was about them getting away from all that and leaving everything behind and even though it could have been this big spectacular blow it up three times and have people diving away from it thing (laughs) it it wasn't that it was no matter how spectacular this thing is this is in our past we're leaving it behind yeah so that was another of like four choices that i liked (laughs) in this movie yeah, they did a good job with that. Um, in the original, they kind of, the house kind of like crumples in on itself. So like they did it a more maybe realistic way, which seems like a weird choice considering the rest of the movie was less realistic. Um, not that like a Poltergeist movie is super realistic anyway. But I was say, do you want to hear more about your expertise on ghost explosions? <laughs> there really wasn't any reason for that thing to explode. It makes way more sense for the house to crumble because it's all about going somewhere else yeah the house like crumbles in on a point and goes basically into the void or whatever the altar plane right in the original instead it just yeah randomly explodes instead it just 
Were there uh, any other rants that you feel like you want to... Anything... I don't know. We covered the rope, which was really important. <laughs> the rope is super important. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, like, the rope made me like that character more. Yeah, it did too. Because it's like, ah, oh, you're ridiculous. How would he even know? How would he know he needs that? Like, he doesn't know what's going on. It was really hilarious. I don't know. It's really hard. He seems like, so discouraged. No, it's just... It's so hard with a remake because you can't help but compare it to the original if you've seen yeah. the original. So it's like, I don't even know if this movie is decent because like i can't help but compare it to something that was far superior so but like, that's the thing it it's might like, be like an okay movie but that I is know. i mean that's that's what you that's the risk that you take when you remake a movie yeah like it's not a ghost story inspired by poltergeist like they called it the same thing it's, yeah it is the same story like somebody decided that it needed to be updated and if that's the decision that you're making then that's the standard that you're going to be held to yeah. And from most of the reviews that I've read about this movie is a lot of people saying how just unnecessary this was. And yeah. like there was nothing new added to it. And no, which I don't know, because I also can't help compare it to like the two evil deads. Right. Because like that one was remade mm-hmm. and the remake was amazing. They did such a good job, but they had a lot of new elements to it and they changed the characters up and they whereas this one, they like it was like a funhouse mirror version instead of. Yeah, it seemed like more of a from what I've read again because I haven't seen it but but people seem like it was more like a like a paint by numbers of let's make sure we hit these beats with nothing really tying them together yeah so the way that I normally like to wrap these up is to talk about which star rating this movie gets in our own Netflix profiles so as a refresher one star means you hated it two stars means didn't like it three stars means liked it four stars means really liked it and five stars means you loved it as well. I want to invite you to tell me your MVP. If you feel like there was a, a standout performance or a standout anything from the movie that maybe elevated it to a less dumpster fire level than, <laughs> than where it dumpster seems to be. Dumpster fire. Uh, we're going classy for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's hear it, fam. Rating an MVP. Uh, well, my rating is uh, one because one I... Apparently can't go lower. <laughs> um, MVP. I don't know. The girl who played Maddie, like the little girl, did a really good job. Child actors, I'm always really impressed when they can maintain that level of sincerity. Um, and she didn't really have any big moments that weren't mm-hmm. really like... She seemed... I don't know. She did a good job. You didn't feel like she was kind of precious, like overly so? Uh, so was the original girl, though. Uh, she's a six-year-old helps. girl. Yeah. She's going to be precious. Uh, for me, I had it as two stars uh, because of a an overall lack of interest that I had, but I didn't outwardly hate it. I felt like okay. there were some really bad choices, but there were a couple of a couple of moments that did resonate with me, so I, I, I can't say that I hated it, but I, I certainly wouldn't recommend it to anybody. And my MVP was... You've kind of talked me out of it, <laughs> but I mean, by... <laughs> default i guess it would be rosemary duet because of how she so that that one scene when she responded right. to that was that was my dad moment was watching the mom be so relieved to hear from her daughter after all this time that so was, that kind of negated yeah. how bland everybody was <laughs> about this missing child up until then do you have an lvp a uh, least valuable person <laughs> um, is that a thing can we invent that thing who's your lvp <laughs> oh definitely the dad oh yeah sam rockwell i've i've seen him in better i was just so disappointed in him 
as an actor mm-hmm. and a person. I normally love him. He was excellent in like everything else I've seen him in. But yeah. this, he just, I'm going to blame the director. Yeah, I don't really have an LVP except like everybody. <laughs> All right. The movie is my LVP. <laughs> it's not scary yeah. enough to be called scary. It's not touching enough to be touching. It's It's just not really much yeah. of anything. It seems pretty inconsequential. It was. Yeah. And hopefully it will be forgotten. Um, so this has been fun, Pam. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and yeah. talking about this movie with me. Because talking about it's been more fun than watching it. Is there anything going on with you that you'd like the world to know about? Or maybe anywhere that, that they can find you on can GPS? Find me I on... mean, <laughs> <laughs> GPS. Yes, I have a tracking device in all of my shoes. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Twitter, I guess. Camry GX, I think, is my Twitter handle. Sure. And uh, yeah. there's a link there to your your Interrobang reviews. And is yeah. there anywhere else for, for other writing that you've done that people can find it? Do you have it um, put together anywhere? Or? There's some old wheat films things, but I'm sort of on hiatus in Terrabang because it's summer and then I have a co-op term, so I don't really know what's going to happen there. Uh, I don't know. Fair I don't enough. really know what I'm going to do next. Who knows? Well, Pam, thanks so much. I really do appreciate you coming on and doing this. It's been a lot of fun. And that's going to be everything for this week from the Netflix podcast. If you liked what you heard today, head on over to netflixblog.wordpress.com to check out the rest of the Netflix content, like show notes, articles, and reviews. You can also find us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook as Netflix. We're on Twitter at NetflixPod. You can also find me there at Dylan Clark Moore. And we're on Tumblr and SoundCloud as Netflix Podcast. You can also follow me on my Letterboxd, that's Dylan Clark Moore there as well, which is the only place where you can see a list of all the upcoming episodes of the Netflix podcast. If you'd like to support the show, there are a few ways you can do so. Probably the best one is by telling your friends all about what we do here. You can also tell the internet how you feel about it by heading over to iTunes and subscribing so that each week's episode comes straight to you, and while you're there, you can drop a rating and review to let us know what you think. You can also contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign, Whether it's for the rewards, or if you'd just like to see us keep doing what we're doing, you can pledge your support and a little bit of money over at Patreon.com. The Netflix podcast is produced and edited by me, Dylan Clark Moore. The theme music was provided by Zach Moore. Thank you very sincerely and ever so much for checking out this week's episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next week for a whole new conversation about a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog, because even if you think you've seen it all, you ain't streamed nothing yet.